actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of shit because that's how I felt when I went to the Alamo Draft House. Okay? You know what? I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to text in your little crappy-ass theater. It was too f***ing dark in that place for me to find my seat, all right? I was using my phone as a flashlight to get to my f***ing seat. So excuse me for using my phone in USA, United States of America, where you are free to text in a theater. I was not aware that I couldn't text in your theater, all right? I've texted in all the other theaters in Austin, and no one ever gave a fuck about what me I was doing in my fucking phone, all right? And it was on silent. It wasn't on loud. It wasn't bothering anybody. You guys, obviously, were being assholes to me, and I'm sure that's what you do, you know, to rip people off. You take my money, and then you throw me out. You know, I will never be... Coming back to your Alamo draft house or whatever, I'd rather go to a regular theater where people are actually polite. And, it, you know, I'm going to tell everyone about how you are. And I'm pretty sure you guys are being on purpose. So thanks for making me feel like a customer. Thanks for taking my money. job, a better home, a better life. Who hasn't wished for these things, worked for them, and sought a place where they had a better chance of becoming real? For generations, Brockton has welcomed those seeking something better. From those who came in search of opportunity, to today's multicultural population, that makes us the most diverse community in all of New England. Brockton is a place where homes are more affordable. Communities closer. Where a strong and talented workforce fuels the success of businesses big and small. And the vision of a more diverse and equitable America is being realized every day. It's where ideas take root. Businesses grow. Communities thrive. New beginnings unfold. And the promise of a better life is kept. Brockton, Massachusetts, where better begins.
Jackson show. Well to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Phenom Radio is the home of the hottest indie music. Tune into the Phenom Radio Top 20 Countdown, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Raise a shot, Foxy. Raise your paws, Foxy. When the sun... Can you dig it? 
blasphemy. This is madness. This is the proof. Alrighty, it's your boy Since One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are watching the booth. It is 8.01 August 1st. Jesus. <laughs> I, I gotta chuckle. August 1st. Just let that sit in real quick here. I got my guys here with me on the show tonight. It's first Tuesdays. We've got some overtime. That's going to happen tonight with my guy, uh, Steve Hook from Bema. He's going to be on with us later on um, after these guys. I let these guys go. Um, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Michael Douglas Barreto, MDB Electronics. If you've got a controller that needs to be fixed, you want to make sure you send it out to him and back to gaming in 48 hours. Also, big thanks to my viewers from last week and a big shout out to Podcast Nation Group. And the Black Podcast Nation group. And a big special shout out to James Hayes of the Black Podcast Network. Black actors. <laughs> Inside joke. Also, 494,000 streams of Viana Marie. Available now. Check it out. It's personal tactical target systems. Those are the targets I get when I go down to the range. I love Boston sports. Those are the shirts that you have a chance to win if you're in the chat. And Viana Marie, there she is featured in Kimberly Ann Empowerment Photography for Women. And before we get into the news booth, I'm going to let my guys introduce themselves. It's first Tuesdays, upper left-hand corner. Rob, let them know. Hello, everybody. We have a lot to talk about tonight, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get started. Ken Diesel. Ura, ura, ura. Lock, top, ready to rock. Yeah, we got some breaking stories. We're going to blow through some of these stories. Like I said, I got an overtime that's going to cover the first story in the news booth, which was the uh, National Weather System has said that they've confirmed an EF1 tornado that landed here over the weekend. Steve Hook is going to come on from BEMA to talk about this tornado and why Sinister One, myself, is pissed off about this tornado and some of the people with the entitlement attitude out there. Also, Officer Rosie Vasquez-Brown of the Brockton Police Department, she wants your bottle caps, the clear white bottle caps on your water bottles, people. Uh, what she has found out is that veterans, the prosthetics used for veterans is made from this plastic. So they are now looking for donations of these plastic lids off the water bottles to donate so they can make prosthetics for veterans who have lost limbs. So please collect them up. 
bring them now to Officer Rosie Vasquez Brown at the Brockton Police Department. Also here in Brockton, trash fees may jump by 43%. Um, we haven't had a raise in since 20 years. Um, I know there's some people upset about it, but there is a new contract that was that it was signed, and that's that's where we're at. Also, Sully's, beware of seagulls, people here. Um, if you were outside dining, Sully's has closed their outside dining. We have some exclusive footage from Sully's this past weekend. Here it is. It's kind of queasy, people. Here it is. I know, guys, I was kind of squeamish. That was uh, <laughs> Sully's closing their outdoor dining due to aggressive seagulls. Um, also in the news, Cape Cod Christmas tree shops is now closed. They've got to sign up Spirit of Halloween. Everybody who's going crazy, knock it off, sit down. It's only open for till October 30th. It's not going to become a permanent Spirit of Halloween. It's just something the person who owns that spot is doing to get a little bit of money in there. Before it's sold off. Also, Massachusetts, if you saw the show last week, Massachusetts has become one of the largest shark hotspots in the world. Where we've jumped up. And that's because the water climate has changed. It's warmer. And a lot of these sharks that were down along Florida and all these coasts have now come up to the northeast. And uh they're in they're in abundance. So people take heed. Um man dies of electrocution. After jumping into Lake Lanier, it's a very serious, weird story. Lake Lanier is in Georgia. This man jumped in the lake. He felt tingly. Um, a guy in the boat saw that he was in trouble, went to help him, parked the boat, went out to help him. By then, the guy was dead. He died from electrocution. This is a very rare occurrence. Not that rare of occurrence where sometimes somewhere along a water place way, Electricity drains into the water and electrifies the water, and people can die of electrocution. But here's the thing, people. I've talked to some people, including my cousin, who've said that Lake Lanier is haunted. There's been all types of spooky, crazy deaths. There's actually a movie coming out called Lanier. 
For those who don't know why this is a, a thing, it's because Lake Lanier was it originally called Oscarville. Oscarville was a town settled by black slaves when they were freed back in the early 40s. It was similar to Black Wall Street. What happened was, was that there were two young black men accused of a crime. Uh, the men with white hoods and white men came into that town, ran everybody out of that town, murdered people that didn't leave. And then what happened was, was that a year later they came in and opened up the dams and flooded the town to create Lake Lanier. So people say that this is another form of this poor history that we have. Um, they say it's haunted because of this and uh it's crazy stuff now i got my guys on they're attorneys and as we get into the legal booth ask these guys especially ken who's a defense attorney how the hell does this happen texas police older family and it doesn't matter what what color they are i know people are trying to spin it with their color it doesn't matter this can happen to anyone texas police and the videos out there are holding a family at gunpoint because they mistyped the state ID into the computer, into the cruiser. Um, instead of Arizona, AZ, they put AK for Arkansas. The car came back stolen, which leads to the video that everybody sees. Uh, Frisco Police Department has issued a statement of apology. But I got to ask Ken, defense attorney, isn't there some type of checks and balances where this shouldn't happen? I mean, something as simple as Mixing up a state ID on a plate can lead to a family on their way to an amusement park. Is do you do you call bullcrap on this or does this happen? No, it happens. Unfortunately, it happens all the time. Uh, more times than you care than you would care to remember or realize. And unless they can establish the officer was done doing something grossly negligent and not merely just flipping a digit or putting a putting a K instead of a Z. No, there is absolutely no liability in the part of the police departments. And this has happened more than once. I had it happened uh, to a client of mine because the officers didn't bother to put in the suffix junior into his name. Oh, His father was a convicted felon who currently had a number of outstanding arrest warrants for him for, among other things, parole violation. He had never been arrested his entire life. He was actually a dentist, believe it or not, a licensed Whoa. dentist. And he was brought into jail and held for the entire weekend, held on Memorial Day weekend. They'll never forget this. We got it in. He was pissed as hell. And I took one look at him and said, well, this can't be the guy that looked at his birthday. You know, his father at the time would have been 68. This guy was in his 30s. We then, uh, I said, what is your full legal name? And he said, blah, 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 Junior. And sure enough, on the box, it stands for Board of Probation Record, it said, Senior, I walked over to the DA and I said, you've got a problem. I said, look at the BOP, look at the complaint. He said, yeah, my client's name is Junior. And I guarantee if we pull his driver's license, which has, which has ID in his left, we're going to see Junior. And sure enough, we did. The DA looked at it and said, you know, you're right. We're sorry. We got the wrong guy. And they mm. released him. Oh, man. It, you can't get any somebody, restitution for that? You can't? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Wow, that's insane. That is that is the most extreme example. But I've had uh, people brought in because their license, that someone flipped a digit on a license plate and came back with the uh, description didn't match the car. I've had people who unfortunately have very common 
Hispanic surnames like Mendez. You're, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Mendez is an incredibly common Hispanic name. In fact, I've got right. two clients last right. name Mendez, which are in no way related. So you've got to be very careful about the spelling of first and last names, and this happens all the time. God forbid the person you're mixing up has got warrants out for a violent felony, like an armed robbery or a rape or an assault to crime on police officers. They're getting the beat down, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I've had this complaint. I've, I've done this all the time, and cops say, look, we live in a dangerous society. It's We're not taking any chances. And we're sorry. We don't do it on purpose. We're only human. And I believe that although most of the time, 90% of the time this happens, these cops are not doing it intentionally. There's just some minor screw up as simple as mixing up a letter or not putting a suffix or mixing up a digit in a license plate or a nine looks like or a three looks like an eight or something like that. If someone can't read someone's handwriting or it's late at night and they're tired and they misread a digit off off a license or they dispatch here's the wrong number but you know you pull someone over on the side of the road like on a highway you're gonna have a lot of noise that's very mm -hmm. easy to mishear a number right uh viana marie's in the chat she said her sister actually used her name when she got arrested in worcester and every time it's brought up when they run her stuff even though it's been clarified that her sister had used her name during the arrest. That's crazy that they yeah, still well, haven't that fixed that, in, that, that. That goes into identity theft. That's a whole different issue. We can get, we can spend an entire show on identity theft. Wow. R squared. Do they, do they have these type of issues on base when MPs, you know, simple things as that or no, a little bit more different. Well, look, there, there are two issues at stake here. Okay. Number one, I think Ken alluded to this a little bit is whether you have a mistake made in good faith or a mistake made where, you know, in, in gross negligence or something like that, or even willful misconduct. And so most of the time it's, it's, you know, it's an honest mistake or people trying to do the right thing and there's a typo or something and everybody's reacting to the information they have uh, unknowing, you know, unknown that there's a, an error of some kind that changes the analysis. So that's, you know, that's an unfortunate thing. And, you know, that's the way it is. You're not necessarily going to get any relief on a good faith mistake, gross negligence, maybe. But the other thing, the more important thing is this law enforcement, it doesn't matter which law enforcement, there are 18,000 law enforcement agencies in the United States, state, federal, local, you know, all the different levels of, of things that we have. And they all have very, very similar training in the use of force and the escalation of use of force. And so the issue, you know, for that family that was held at gunpoint. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what the underlying concern is. And, and yes, the idea of a stolen car promotes uh, a reasonable connotation of violence in, in the mind of law enforcement. You're not dealing with somebody who went five miles an hour too fast. You're dealing with somebody who's engaging in a serious felony, perhaps. And, you know, so you're going to give them some benefit of the doubt. But the truth is that they still have to go through their training in the escalation of the use of force. And so unless you're being fired at, uh, you don't necessarily immediately go to the use of deadly force. And the and drawing of a firearm is considered deadly force, whether you plan to shoot it or not. The use of a firearm is deadly force. And so arguably these officers, and I don't know the, the facts of this case, I'm just highlighting a, the general proposition mm -hmm. here. Uh, you know, I give I give law enforcement basically the benefit of the doubt until I learn facts where that's not appropriate. Uh, and so, you know, what what about this 
this stop, what about this family, led them to escalate to use of deadly force, even though they didn't actually use deadly force. That's that's the level of force they used. That's an issue that could be worth looking at. Uh, but yeah. again, the, the, the more information they have, the more reason for concern, as Ken was talking about, then, you know, it's, it's very difficult to second guess them. Uh, they have a very dangerous job. We do live in an extremely dangerous society where people, you know, pull up alongside a police officer and just shoot them now, uh, where people get pulled over in a traffic stop and shoot the police officers. I mean, this is on their mind and you can't tell them not to think about it because it's become all too common. And so, you know, there's got to be a balancing here. But at the, at the end of the day, they have to go through the proper escalation of use of force training that they had. Yeah, it's crazy. And the video, the video is out there. If anybody wants to see it, check it out. There is a video out there of the situation. And they, you know, they did realize the mistake during this, you know, this situation. And, you know, they immediately had the, you know, and as you said, you know, sometimes you got to ask, why did it get to that point where they pulled it? So, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked. They did issue an apology to the family uh, publicly. Um, the chief of that Frisco department, he also. Uh, said that you know that he apologized and it was a simp- it was a mistake it was a, it was a it was a mistake um said uh Tyrone Washington said they was really doing their job in their mind and it was a dangerous situation correct exactly right. and That's and exactly Frisco right, is known where you know yeah. people in stolen cars take off you know what i'm saying so you know there's a lot of things that there but i thought it was just weird that this ha- that is this really common? So I guess it is common for people to mistype stuff. Um, also in the legal booth, parents have been held in the death of an adopted five-year-old boy who they brought to the hospital and said he was woozy because they thought he had COVID. Turns out when the boy died that his brain was literally obliterated from abuse and being beaten. Um, the reason why I bring this story up is because I have two close friends to me who have been trying to adopt a son for the longest time and have not been able to. And sometimes we get these stories of where people are able to adopt the child and then these tragedies happen. I, I just don't know what to say about that. Uh, Cardi B, let's get into the Cardi B microphone check timeline. <laughs> Cardi B threw a microphone at a person after a person threw a drink on her during a concert. Now, on this show, I've been talking about the fact that people throwing stuff at artists at concerts isn't a good look, number one. Number two, I told people, if this was the 90s, when guys like Axl Rose would jump off the stage and punch you in your face for throwing something on stage, or guys like the Rolling Stones who had Hell's Angels for their security and practically almost beat you to death. This is a true story back in the 60s. Um, guys like Sebastian Bach uh, jumping off the stage. And what happens is that these people end up hitting the wrong person, to jump the wrong person, they get sued. So everybody was saying Cardi B did what she was supposed to, but then TMZ comes out and has a video of Cardi B pouring water on herself and asking people, hey, throw water on me, I'm hot, but then turns around and throws a microphone. Guess what? The microphone hits the wrong person. Now Cardi B is being a suspect for assault and battery with a microphone because she hit the wrong person. (laughs) And Ken... As a defense attorney, Cardi B is has been released from a 2018 assault in a strip club. I'm not sure what the stipulations and guidelines are of her release from this 2018 case where I believe she pled guilty. But I'm pretty sure your client, if it was Cardi B and she hit a person with a microphone, um, she's possibly looking at probably going back to jail for violation of that. Uh, would you try to tell her to talk into 
paying this person out if you were a defense attorney? Because I'm sure the well, lawsuit's all, coming. Paying someone off to avoid avoid a criminal case is illegal. Oh, okay. Obstruction of justice. What I but come on now, but come on now. It's, but what I recommend, we don't no, call, we don't, we don't. True. I know, I know, we don't call it that, but we know that there have been some people. What I, rec- what I recommend, <laughs> uh, it's called the Trump the DA, defense. DA, uh, see some kind of probation with restitution for this gentleman's medical expenses and pain and suffering. Absolutely. But I wow. would get the DA in. Really? Uh, okay, so yeah. it's 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 going to be interesting because I want to see how this is going to handle legally. As you guys saw at the top of the show, Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman, dead at seventy, cancer. People, another thing. He, he, there's something else you got to sit down. Sit down. Paul Rubens doesn't have to tell you that he has cancer. I see these whole group of people out there saying, "Well, he didn't tell us he had cancer." He doesn't have to. Just like Chadwick Boseman didn't tell people he was dying of cancer from the Black Panther. Who, who, guys, who do these people think they are that think that we, I don't know. I see Rob shaking his head. They just have an unnatural obsession with celebrities, you know, whether it's uh, musicians, actors, sports personalities. I mean, whatever turns them on, they just, you know, they, they, this is the problem with the electronics age. We don't interact with people anymore. We're on our devices all the time. And some people it's to a real extreme and they, you know, it's an obsession. It's an unhealthy obsession. And, do you, uh, think, you know, you can't you always find mentally, them because they're living in the basement. But do you think mentally for some of these people that they think that if they have a social media connection to a celebrity, that they think they have this personal, can, I, I can't, yes. you just not in their mind. Yes. In their mind. Yes. Can you agree with that? Not only do I agree with it, I can I can quote you chapter and verse in my practice where I've had people who have been accused of stalking. Now, granted, the people they're stalking are not celebrities, but these are low-level, for lack of a better term, influencers on social media who put it out there, and these people can come obsessed with them. In fact, Crazy these clients this. often feel that way. And you go back, you you know what, you look at like a guy like a John Hinckley who didn't have social media but committed a heinous crime. John Hinckley committed a heinous crime without social media. So you can only imagine what social media would do with a person like like a John Hinckley or the guy who who shot John Lennon. You know what I'm saying? These these were all people, it was scary from the get-go without social media. So I could only imagine. Um... Also, rest in peace, Angus Cloud, 25 years old. He was on Euphoria. And the scary thing about this is is that this kid never wanted to be an actor. Somebody saw him, felt he had a good look. They won him to try out for the role. He became this big star off this role. Is that wine, R-squared? Is is R-squared drinking wine during the booth? Oh, Excuse me, Rob. You know you're old. You're enough to share with everyone. You're not entitled to drink it yourself. I, you know, I just know if we drink bourbon again, the two of you will be drunk and unable to perform on the show. I well, yeah, we're drinking the Walking Dead bourbon that, that you should get again. Oh, yeah. I was seen as the one. Oh, the one did oh, don't even go back to that. Don't, look, uh, Jason Aldean fans are upset because they had to clear out. During the tornado evacuation at the Xfinity Center, I'm going to save this one because I have Bema's Steve Hook. He's going to come on to talk about these people who were upset that they didn't get to see all of Jason Aldean because there was a tornado 
in the area. Oh my God. And the conspiracy. All of a sudden, you know what's funny? All of a sudden, these people are all conspiracy theorists. They didn't they didn't believe conspiracy theorists. They didn't want to believe all these things before. But now all of a sudden they're all believing in conspiracy. That's the hypocrisy of this whole thing. Uh in the yeah, sports get your, get your magnifying glasses out so I can play the world's <laughs> smallest violin for you. Hey, 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 let me just say something. I happen to agree with that. They should have been allowed to stay at the concert and they should have performed. So when the tornado come, it would wipe them out, and I would have to listen to these freaks. Okay, I'm sorry. There's something to be said about natural selection, and maybe if we allowed this to happen, we wouldn't have the problems. Some, not all, but some of the problems we have today. Okay. I heard, I saw someone call the herd. I saw someone on social media saying it was big conspiracy because they didn't want people to hear uh, try that in a small town. And I'm like, it's a tornado. Mother Nature had something to do with this. It wasn't a conspiracy, bro. (laughs) If you want to hear it, just type it into YouTube and you can hear it. (laughs) Exactly. And the sports booth. No, no. Let me know. Now that you started, excuse me. Uh oh. Because of all this crap, I was forced to listen to that god awful song because I hate country (laughs) music to begin with. Okay. I can't stand it. I think it's a bunch of whining white guys. <laughs> and don't get me started about this, this token black guy. They always got this token black singer out there. Okay, yeah. But I have to listen to this crap because I couldn't start debating people unless I actually listened to the lyrics and said, "Does it re- was it really a dog whistle to a lynching? And it is, by the way, because I've also listened to it and I've read the lyrics. We'll discuss it another time. But because of that, don't. this is the only conspiracy is you made me listen to pissant music. <laughs> Training camp has started in the sports booth across the area. Juju Smith-Schuster, who everybody thinks was coming here to be the number one and number two receiver. Guess what, people? He's got different thoughts in mind. Juju wants to be the Patriots' next big slot receiver. You ever see that Wu-Tang song where they say the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous? Juju is trying to prove himself. He's got speed. He's got hands. Usually the slot receiver is is one of those positions that, yeah, you get beat up, but majority of the time, you're open. And if Juju can get that ball in the slot and then make guys miss, Juju could be a serious, serious threat at wide receiver in the slot versus being a number one or a number two. So I'm I'm not mad with that. I can't wait. Also, quarterback Mac Jones was one of Belichick's offseason award winners for putting in a lot of work for getting better. Um, that should make people show. I, I, I'm telling you, Patriots are going to be an under-the-radar team. Right now, everybody's got them picked to be at the bottom of the barrel of the AFC East. I don't think so. I think the Patriots will be a much better team with a real coordinator. Um, our squid is down there. New York Giants, I had asked him about him, but you said there's not much really going on in camp right now? I hadn't seen much. I'm sure there's some stuff going on, but I haven't seen it. The good news is you know, Saquon Barkley is going to play with the franchise tag. So that solves that for another year. Uh, the team is coming together. They did a lot of off season moves and, and, you know, the draft. So uh, I'm hopeful for the season. I think the giants will be better than last year. Last year, they snuck into the playoffs. I think they, they could be one of those wild card teams again. I, I to me, Philadelphia is the team to beat. Uh, in the NFC, they they only got stronger this year and they crapped out. They choked last year. But uh, I would say it's the Eagles. I know your son will appreciate that, but it's the uh, the Eagles are the team to beat in the NFC. I'm not so sure about the AFC. I don't know that the Chiefs will be back. There are a few teams that are contenders. Uh, so looking at the AFC East, which you guys always get excited about. 
I think the Jets are going to finish in last. That's my personal prediction. I, I think, think the Patriots so. are bouncing back. I don't, as you guys know, I'm a Giants fan. I have nothing against the Patriots, but uh, I think they're going to surprise everybody. Uh, first of all, Mac Jones is my fantasy quarterback, so uh, I have a little bit of a vested interest <laughs> in the Patriots. But I do think I do think that they've improved. You never count them out. They always seem to bring in the right people and put the right schemes together. And I think that receiving core is going to make all the difference. I think Mac's going to show this is his year. You know, if he can't do it with this group of people, then then it was a mistake to draft him or certainly to draft him as a starter. But uh, with this crew around him and I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, let's see what happens. I mean, you know, Buffalo, look, Buffalo was the strong team for, you know, most of the season, but crapped out in the last two postseasons. Uh, I don't have any faith in, in, in Buffalo to go to a Super Bowl. You know, last year they, they looked like they were going to be the team to beat maybe the Bengals. Uh, I have no faith in the Bills uh, going to a Super Bowl. They'll probably they could make the postseason, but they're just going to crap out again until they figure out what's wrong. Uh, and so, you know, that's how I look at it. Um, you know, Dolphins, uh, they'll be they'll be around. Um, they'll probably be the third place team in the division. Uh, you know, they'll win some games, maybe pull some upsets. I don't see them being a factor. So it'll be I think the AFC East is going to be one of the most fun divisions to watch this year. And the Rams lost one of uh, uh, Ken's favorites, Sony Michelle, retired, <laughs> who Ken was constantly complaining about, about his inconsistency running plays over the years. Uh, you you had sorry. a serious love-hate relationship with complain, the guy. Complain? Complain? The guy? <laughs> I mean, tell, explain to me. In one game, in one quarter, he can tear, up, tear, tear it up and get, like, what, five, six yards of carry. <laughs> Without breaking a sweat, okay. I mean, so you know, give it to, you know, you just give it to him. Run the run, it, run it. You're gonna eventually get it within the red zone, about eight plays. And then the same quarter, the guy, the guy couldn't score on his own wife. Okay, <laughs> explain that to me. He literally was tripping over his own feet. He would basically sit there, wait for his blockers to set instead of moving around. And then, then of course, he had like you know. He, draped his hands in, in uh, cocoa butter and kept coughing out the ball every five freaking minutes when there was no one around him. I remember one play, I'll never forget, he trips over, trips over his own feet, goes down, and then managed to lose the ball. Thank God it rolled, rolled out of bounds. How do you tackle yourself and then cause yourself to have a fumble? Oh, I knew when I brought up Sony Michelle retiring, it was going to send Ken off the rails. Because he's such a great runner when he's on. When he's on, he's magic. He's Walter Walter Payton. Um, Oh, God. Oilers. Come on. Eddie Robinson? Eddie George? No, no. I'm talking about in the 70s and the 80s. Come on. I can't remember the guy. Oh, Jesus. Earl Uh, Campbell. Earl Campbell, yes. Earl the Pearl. Earl the Pearl. I mean, and then in the same quarter, I could do a better job. And I'm 56 years old with bad knees. Uh, oh, man. Also in the sports booth. I knew that was going to send him off. Uh, for those who didn't hear, Magic Johnson is part of this team that bought the Washington Commanders. And Magic Johnson is saying, guess what, people? That name might be changed. Don't get don't get too comfortable with that commander name. Magic and his, his group. It's it's gonna get changed. It's gonna get changed. So it's it's coming. Everybody hated that name. Snyder right. just threw a name on there to get through the year. He knew he was gone. Um, <clears throat> and this will be great the for the commies? team. You, mean, you don't like the nickname the commies? Oh come on, that was great. 
so we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen there. Great, great thing by Magic Johnson. Great face in the NFL. Um, we'll see where he's going to go. Now, these guys are on first Tuesdays. I've got stuff tabled from last week for these guys. We've got breaking news from these from this today. Um, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff. I got to get right into it. The Biden bombshells. This is why these guys are on. We had a couple of things in the legal book, but let's get into the first one. Um, the FBI corroborated the $10 million Ukrainian bribery scheme, which seems to have some wheels. Um, this is a topic of conversation that's going on with this Hunter Biden stuff, um, which we're going to we're going to get into. But there are some things here that, you know, that the Ukrainians provided up to $10 million into this bribery that Biden took. Uh, the FBI is corroborating it. Now, all of the MAGA people, all of a sudden, they want to believe the FBI. <laughs> all of a sudden, the FBI tells the truth. We got to swear by their word when the last four years, when the FBI was pushing out all this stuff about Trump, you can't trust the... I'm going to let ask you because you love this stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Ukrainian bribery scheme? Does it really have the wheels that they're talking about? Um, no. The problem here is, is that all of these kids are involved with these presidents. It goes all the way back to brothers like we Billy go back Carter. to Jimmy Carter's brother. Jimmy Carter had this brother, Billy Carter, who had this beer, but he was in and, and involved. There's always someone involved that shouldn't be involved with these yeah. presidents. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll look, let you start. You know, Nobody has a perfect family and, you know, God love them for being loyal to their family. You got to love your family. You got, you know, whatever. It's, it's just not until recently, we just didn't pay much attention to it. It was fodder for jokes and comedians, but it really wasn't a big deal to the American people, certainly not as to the voters, you know, for those purposes, you know, and it's just crazy. But but going to this specifically, we, we you know, we could spend a whole show on the, the devolution of our politics and what's wrong and what needs to be fixed that we could do that sometime. It might be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but about this, you know, there. First of all, to this day, as of earlier this afternoon, as I you know read various things, there is no evidence of any wrongdoing by Joe Biden. So you know, yes, there's stuff on on Hunter, and we all know we're very familiar with Hunter's you know tax issues. Um, that happened, you know, those from years ago, he paid the taxes years ago, but of course the investigation is now. And so we'll see what happens with those. I, I suspect the deal will be back pretty soon. Um, a, a very similar deal and it will be disposed of similarly in that way. Um, but what we've, you know, what we've learned from these ridiculous hearings that they're holding is that they can't find anything on the president himself. He wasn't involved in anything. He didn't have knowledge in things. Uh, he wasn't involved in in Hunter's business dealings, um, and so you know they can do all they want to about Hunter. Hunter's not an elected official. He's not part of the administration. He's not part of the government. So you know whatever happens with him happens with him. Whatever he did, he should be held accountable for, and and that's that. Uh, this idea about the you know the bribery thing, the the supposed witness to this was one individual who we already knew about during the famous Trump Zelensky phone call. This was the corrupt Ukrainian official that was at the heart of that matter, who uh, has, I guess I, I would say has no credibility. Um, 
you know, has has indicated, you know, again, I don't I don't I'm not paying attention to the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, I'm paying attention to things involving the president. And, and there hasn't been any linkage to the president. And, and remember, at that time, he wasn't in office. He wasn't president or vice president. He Correct. was a private citizen, but but he still. And and most of the things they're looking at with Hunter Biden, there, there was some of that illegality, like with <clears> taxes, which those are misdemeanors. Um, most of what they're looking at with Hunter Biden are things that are moral transgressions, not legal transgressions. They're not necessarily crimes and certainly not felonies. So, you know, if we want to talk about morality, then then let's do that. Right. Um, and I don't believe in this. What about right? It doesn't matter if somebody gets caught, then it's about what they did and what should happen to it. It's not about what the other person got away with or what the next person gets away with. But for the record, uh, the Trump, you know, uh, Jared and Ivanka made six hundred and fifty million dollars while in the White House. OK, that is what corruption <laughs> smells like. Uh, Jared got you know, billions of dollars in a bailout for his failed New York City real estate investment when they left the White House. But you know what that stems from. Ivanka had the special deal with her goods in China. So there was all kinds of stuff they made. They made a fortune. So, you know, if if, you know, Representative Comer and Representative Jordan, these people who are wasting millions of our taxpayer dollars trying to slam Hunter Biden to embarrass the president, uh, they need to they need to at least acknowledge that there was six hundred and fifty six hundred and fifty million dollars in corrupt monies made by the Trump family. Uh, and just the children, not what he made. He made plenty too. remember, because people were, you know, using his you know properties and, and you know, whatever. Right. Else. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, look, if, if we're going to look at this stuff, then then let's take an honest look at this stuff. All right. But if you care about Hunter Biden's back taxes and maybe he got a million dollars or something like that from somebody in Ukraine. I don't I don't like I said, I have not seen any evidence of it. There was one uncredible witness that told a weird story that they're clinging to. But nobody has made any conclusions and certainly not to the president. But again, the issue is then let's look at all of it. Let's look at all of it. Let's make rules. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's talk about that. <clears throat> but all these people that think there was nothing wrong with the Trump family making their business deals while while in the White House uh, have shouldn't have nothing to say about anything that Joe Biden may even if he did it while he was not even in office. I mean, that's just beyond hypocrisy and it's beyond stupid. So, again, if we're going to look at this stuff, let's make new rules. Let's strengthen those rules. We can start with the Supreme Court ethics, right? And uh, there are so many things that we can address in this regard. Then let's do it. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'll, I'll serve on a commission. You want to do a commission? I'll serve on it. Let's do it. But uh, you know, it's it's just ridiculous what we're focusing on. Right. You know, and it's you know, Clarence Thomas is even just as guilty. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let's make very clear what the definition of bribery is because none of you folks understand what the definition of bribery is and rob as usual alluded to it but i think for the rest of you knuckleheads out there who don't understand what he's saying you cannot bribe a private citizen in order for you to be bribing there's got to be a government connection not someone who is, was in government not someone's family who is currently in government, but it's got to be the government official. Mr. Biden Jr., Mr. Hunter Biden I'm talking about, to my knowledge, has never held an official government post either on the federal 
state, county, or local level. If I'm, if I'm incorrect, please correct me. Whatever money they gave him, they gave him as a private citizen. Under the legal definition, that's not bribery. Okay? You can't bribe a private citizen. Now, the allegation is that Hunter Biden was being used as a funnel for Joe Biden, who was out of office. Again, so what they're accusing Hunter Biden of is acting as a funnel from one private citizen to another. Again, not illegal. Morally questionable, I agree with what Rob said, but not illegal. Okay? The allegation isn't that Hunter Biden was paying bribes. The allegation is, if you bother to read the FBI reports or the summaries or the statements in the FBI, which I have, is that he was acting as an agent of a foreign power without declaring himself as such, which is illegal and a federal offense and a felony. It's just not bribery. Get the goddamn charge right. Well, And oh, by the way, if you're that concerned about it, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner were working in the White House when they took that money, which is a violation of White House ethics rules, which is a violation of federal laws because they were acting as an agent of a foreign power. And by the way, any money they got is bribery and conspiracy. Now, as to Rob's point, we have a number of ethical rules which need to be updated. I couldn't agree with him more. And I think putting mm -hmm. Colonel Resnick on a commission based both on his military training, his law degree, and his academic credentials would be great. I think he'd be perfect because he used to, believe it or not, back in the day, you know, we were using outhouses for toilets and we didn't, and we actually had phones that were connected to the wall. <laughs> Colonel, at that time, Captain Resnick lectured at uh was it not Fort Ord? Was it um Red Bank? What's the base in Red Bank? You were Monmouth. Monmouth Fort Monmouth in ethics. So he actually was a ethics professor years ago. Didn't think I remember that one, did you, Rob? I didn't. But so yeah, I agree. I agree. There is way too much uh money going around through back doors and slush funds and stuff like that. But don't you dare accused Hunter Biden of bribery. He's being accused of, of, of acting as an agent of a foreign power without registering as you're required under federal law. That's yeah, and, and big freaking difference. Just just to close Ken's point with one more detail that people should find interesting, this just happened over the last few days, a witness that Jim Jordan called, not not a defense witness, not a, a Hunter Biden witness, Jim Jordan's own witness. I'm sure everybody in the show knows who Jim Jordan is because mm -hmm. we talk about him enough. I certainly do. Yes, uh, we if, do. If you, if, if you don't remember, read the corridor because I go off on Jordan all the time. <laughs> Piece of shit. But anyway, um, <laughs> did I just say that? I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the point is he called this witness, right? And this witness came and testified under oath to the joint committee led by, you know, oversight and judiciary and testified under oath. This was closed door. So, uh, you know, they could, they could, they don't have to play for the cameras. It was questioning and all that. Anyway, he said that he was working on these businesses, these deals with Hunter Biden, 
and he had firsthand knowledge and experience and um, was was there when they were talking with President Biden, Hunter and President Biden, as father and son, spoke a lot. The president was always very concerned about Hunter because of, you know, relapsing with drug addiction or other issues. Uh, and this was the time frame that Bo was sick with brain cancer and dying. So they were talking a lot. He listened to over 20 phone conversations between the two of them um, and had dinner with them. And never once did they actually talk about any of this business. Never talked business. It was always just personal stuff. The president was trying to support his son, but never was involved in his business dealings. So that's what this witness, Jim Jordan's own witness, said. What he said Hunter Biden was doing was he said that the president, well, then citizen Joe Biden, but now President Biden, was not involved in any of this. What, Hunt, what he said he thought Hunter was doing was, because everybody knew he was Joe Biden's son, was giving the illusion that he had connections to Biden and could leverage those connections in the future if, what, so in other words, he was selling himself because he had those connections. That's probably how he got on the board of Burisma in the first place, where he didn't belong. However, that's not illegal. That may be immoral. We talked about that. It may be a moral mm -hmm. transgression. There is no law that prevents that. But either way, it has nothing to do with Joe Biden. And Jim Jordan's own witness testified under oath before the Joint Committee told this to Jordan and Comer. And by the way, they went on Fox News. I don't know if it was Monday night or Sunday night, but they went on one of the Fox News shows. I watched the clip of it. Yes, I do sometimes watch folks because I like to hear what all the sources are saying. They went on Fox News and lied about what this witness said during his sworn testimony. OK, so that tells you the state of this so-called investigation. There you go. Anything you want to add to well, that, Ken? Yeah, we all know that the, the so-called investigations were nothing more than to deflect uh, against the, the what's happening at Donald Trump. It's the right. false equivalency paradigm. The idea yep. is that these guys are bad. Look, look at the look over here. Now we don't need to establish any evidence, but here's here's the other thing. And this is very important to understand. And this is why I have I have a lot of problems with people who are not attorneys especially ones who don't practice criminal law, like myself and Colonel Resnick. Criminal law is a very technical field. In order to be accused of crime, you have to be doing very specific acts in a very specific manner, in a very specific order. If you don't do that, while it may be morally reprehensible, and I happen to agree with everything Rob said about that, it's not illegal. And people confuse and conflate moral lapses with illegality. I'll give you a prime example. There was a client I have recently, and I'm not going to give you his name, who was having a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. He was in his late 30s. He was also married. She was a member of the athletic team where he was an assistant coach on. Oh. Okay? It was disgusting. And definitely a violation of his employment contract who get, could get him fired civilly. But here's the thing. It wasn't illegal. No. Nope. Why? Because the age of consent in Massachusetts is 16. She was mm -hmm. 17 when they started the sexual relationship. Now, should this guy be taken out to the backyard and beaten over the head with a piece of ha a heavy mining equipment until he dies? Yes, he should. And I wouldn't blame the father of this girl if, she, if he did that. But that's not the issue we're debating here. 
The issue is, did he do anything illegal? And the answer is no. She openly admitted to my investigator and to DCF and to the court that she had these relations with him were consensual. Okay? That's it, people. End of story. Disgusting as it may be, he didn't commit a crime. The reason I'm drawing that parallel between Hunter Biden's situation and this, clearly Hunter Biden was going out there using his last name and giving the illusion that he had access to Joe Biden and I bet a bunch of other power brokers. Was that morally mm-hmm. reprehensible? Absolutely. Hunter Biden's an incompetent. You know, the guy shouldn't be running a lemonade stand, much less saying on the board of a major uh, hydrocarbon company, especially a foreign national. But guess what? Has anyone ever heard the term K Street Bandits? If you don't, let me explain to you what it is. There's a street in Washington, D.C. called K Street. And on that, that street, there are a number of quote-unquote law firms that have one purpose, that's to lobby Congress and the executive for their various clients. Those lobbyists call themselves K Street Bandits, and they all brag about their access to powerful people. I think the entire universe would be well-suited if a giant meteor came down and wiped the entire street out. Okay? But guess what? What they do, however disgusting, is legal. They sell influence. These people, many of them, not all, are either retired congressmen or senators or staff members or former um, uh, uh, staff members or former executive uh, department personnel. Now, I'll give you one prime example of this, and I'm sure everyone likes to talk about, the defense industry. How many defense contractors have on their boards and working for them either former secretaries of defense, Army, Navy, or Air Force, or former military personnel working inside the defense contractors? And we talked about this one. Yeah. What do you think they're selling? And ain't lemonade, people. Yeah, we talked about this one. Good stuff. Good stuff. We get a, and like I said, we get a lot of stuff to talk about. Seven fifty. Um, judge knocks down Biden's asylum policy. If guys haven't heard, um, the amount of people coming across the border had dropped in the last few months. But it was a judge who just went and knocked down where people would claim asylum and they weren't allowed into this country under Biden's rules. But the judge has now said that that isn't right. Um, he's actually lifted that so now more people can come in. Um, so for those who need to do their homework, you need to check in on this asylum po- asylum policy ruling. And these guys were also here to talk about, they were talking a lot about Hunter Biden's case. And I hear a lot of people complaining about the fact that this happened, that it, there's only one issue tying up this case, and that is over the gun. And supposedly they originally had this deal about the gun and the plea bargain where they were it was just going to go away or whatever was going to happen. <clears throat> but now all of a sudden, I guess the prosecutors want the gun to be entered in. Um, I'm going to let Ken Diesel jump on this one first. Your thoughts and what the explanation is. Like Ken um, Osquid said in our private chat, he says it's it's just kind of a paperwork wording thing. I'm going to ask um, Ken go first. Okay, very simply, when you do a plea, you 
write down in the plea what you're pleading to, the charges, what facts you're stipulating to, and what the outcome is going to be. It's called the plea agreement. On the federal level, they are very long and very complicated. The problem was, from what I understand, and I did not, I've not seen the notes between the prosecutor and defense, nor do I see the actual plea agreement, is the wording used in the plea agreement regarding the firearm was rather vague, and the defense believed it would be interpreted one way, and the prosecution believed it would be interpreted another way. So instead of, instead of having a complete cluster bleep at the plea hearing in front of the judge, they withdrew the plea and are working out the language. It's not going to affect the um, the overall case. It's more, as, yeah. It, what the, it's more on the collateral issues because there are certain ways you can do a plea with regard to a firearm at the federal level that will not affect your right to bear firearms in the future, and there are certain ways that it will. From what I understand, the prosecutors basically wanted Hunter Biden never to be able to own a firearm for the rest of his life. These included hunting rifles and pistols. And Biden thought it was going to be basically he loses his right to have a concealed weapons permit. Mm. Hyper-technical stuff happens all the time. I've had pleas blow up in my face all the time because we're, because we would submit something in and the judge would say, well, is this what, I, what I'm reading? I would say yes. And the, crimes, the, the DA would go, no. And he's like, why don't you guys go back and figure this out and then bring it back to me? It's very common. It'll be worked out. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Not, not so it's not this. So I squared, this isn't that big of a deal that everybody's trying to make it out to be. No, this is just the Republican playbook, the MAGA playbook, where they're trying to make it look like, you know, the judge was saving the day because there was some inappropriate deal here that they were giving Hunter Biden because he's president's son. That that that's there's just no factual basis for this. First of all, most people would not have even been charged for these tax issues. He was charged and he was charged because he's the president's son and they didn't want to not charge him. So if anything, he's he he's facing charges because he's the president's son, not getting off on charges because he's the president's son. And and he knew that and that's reality. And the deal is you know, from from everybody with knowledge about federal deals, that the terms of this deal were extremely consistent and reasonable with standing practice. Now, whether people like the way the deals are made and the terms of those deals, we can debate that forever. That's a big issue in the criminal justice system about doing deals and all that. But there's nothing untoward about this particular deal. When a judge is given a deal in a case like this, the judge obviously has to go through the colloquy with the defense and make sure that they're that they understand the terms and that they're pleading guilty and the defendant makes elocution and all that kind of thing. The judge all excuse me, the judge also has an obligation to make sure that both parties have the same understanding of all the terms in the deal. Because if there is not a complete mutual understanding, by law, the deal is null and void. The judge cannot accept it. And so the judge asked a question about future charges, future charges. And the defense said, uh, yes, this deal, which would be normal, this deal precludes any prosecution on additional new, any, any charges now known would be, would be precluded from being prosecuted under this deal. Um, that it covers what's in it and anything else they know about is being dismissed and not being pursued. The prosecution uh, screwed up the language. They didn't mean to say that. That is the normal way that deals are done, that unless you specifically carve out known offenses that you could prosecute, it would preclude prosecution from anything known. 
doesn't mean future. If, if, some, if you do something in the future, then, then that's fair game. But anything known to authorities at the time of the deal would be precluded from any future prosecution. I hope I'm not confusing people with this. No, no, that's I get what it. The judge, that's what the judge threw it out for, because the defense said that any other known charges could not be brought as charges, any other offenses cannot be brought as charges, and the prosecution didn't see it that way. The charge that they were talking about was exactly what Ken spoke about 10 minutes ago, which was the FARA charge, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, that when if, if, it, if there's evidence to support what Ken was talking about, that Hunter, uh, through his representations uh, with Burisma, was acting as an agent of Ukraine, <coughs> Um, back to U.S. officials, and he was not registered. The same thing that uh, Mike Flynn was uh, pled guilty to and, and other federal officials has pled guilty to recently, uh, that same charge, if anybody remembers those news stories, um, that is known, that, that has been known to authorities. And so technically under the normal terms of a deal, they wouldn't be able to go forward on that. And the prosecution doesn't have any plans to, or else it would be part of the deal or there would be an indictment on it. But they didn't want to bind themselves by saying that they couldn't go forward on it. And so that's what the judge said they have to work out because you cannot have a disagreement like that in the meaning of the deal. So this has nothing to do with the substance of the deal, has nothing to do with what he's pleading guilty to, to the sentencing recommendation, to the possible punishment. It's just whether sometime in the future he could face an additional indictment and trial for this mm -hmm. violation. And so they will work that out and then they will come back and uh, yeah. and then we'll see what comes of it. Nice. There's thank also, you. Thank you. There, yep. Go ahead. There's also another another issue that, that come, uh, comes up a lot, and that's prosecutors are required to divulge all of the evidence in that they have mm -hmm. inculpatory and exculpatory. That's why. So when I was defense counsel, I know, OK, I once they do that and then you make the deal, then if you make a, a dumb deal, that's on you. Prosecutors are aren't allowed to withhold information to get you to confess to crime then they can say ha i got the confession now i'm going to use it against you for this other thing and that's why this is so critical the other thing if i if i made add one other point federal crimes are governed by a 1500 page manual called the federal sentencing guidelines it's about as interesting as what as we as watching paint dry or grass grow i've used them okay and I've got, a, I've got an old sentencing guidelines on my shelf from about 2012. If you look at the sentencing guidelines for a non, for a first-time offender, which is, Joe, which is Hunter Biden, who has accepted responsibilities, who is entitled to the downward departure, which he did, which does not involve acts of terrorism, firearms, drugs, um, exploitation of minors, violence against women, or international trafficking, there is certain guidelines that suggest where, what you should be. And he's actually at the higher end of those guidelines. He's part of the middle high of those guidelines, not directly center. But if you look at it, it's pretty much on the on the higher end of the middle of the middle section. There is no cause to give him jail time. There's just not. Because of those <clears> factors. <throat> and if anyone wants to challenge him in that, I suggest you go online, get a copy. You can, you can go online to West Publishing Company. And they can give you the 2023 sentencing guidelines, and you can go look it up. <laughs> well, they're gonna. If he doesn't go to jail, you know how it's gonna be online. There's gonna be yeah, a ton of people out there you. complaining, and it, you know it's just gonna be they don't they don't know. So, um, 
We're at 8 o'clock. I got to move along here. Um, Biden administration announces a $345 million package going to Taiwan. Um, This is definitely going to piss China off somewhat. I saved this question for R squared. Your thoughts on this weapons package going to Taiwan? Look, it's this is a continuation of existing U.S. policy. We have said that uh, you know we are going to support Taiwan in its desire to you know maintain the status quo that they have a semi-autonomous you know uh, region of China. Uh, we believe in one China, but that that the ultimate Chinese unification will come through peaceful diplomatic economic cooperation, not from a mainland Chinese invasion of the island. And so the United States, since that policy was announced under Nixon uh, and modified under Carter, uh, and every president since has pretty much maintained, and this is true of every presidential administration, congressional iterations, everybody, uh, this is yet the latest package because, you know, we just saw that China was trying to rattle Taiwan a little bit. They had, what was it, mm-hmm. in the course of one day, 37 different fighter planes or bombers <clears throat> uh, kind of flew through Taiwanese airspace just to try to show them that they could, that they were there. You know, it's it's just called menacing. They weren't going to do anything, but it's menacing. And uh, this is part of our continuing commitment so that Taiwan can defend itself. And that the resolution of the ultimate goal of one China will be brought about diplomatically. And so this is good. This is good. It's a good thing. Okay. Uh, Ken, anything you want to add to that real quick? Are you good with that? No, I'm good with that. But I'd also like to like to point out, again, as Rob said, this is nothing new. China has been rattling its, its saber in that area of the world in addition to creating their fake artificial islands to claim their territorial waters, this is the United States saying, nice try, just because we're dealing with the Ukrainian crisis doesn't mean we've forgotten about you. Good stuff, okay. Also in Haiti, we've talked about this on the show and how the Haiti crisis has been breaking down on a daily routine basis. Uh, we, we spoke about the horrors going on in Haiti when they had that first tragic earthquake uh ken diesel and i were one of the first networks here in this country to connect with the haitian radio station right after that earthquake um when nobody else could get in touch and we were told right out the gate the day after the earthquake we were told don't send money here because the corrupt government is taking the money and putting it here uh this is the only place that people it was scary it was sad and that let us know um This past weekend, an American nurse and her child was kidnapped. So the State Department ordered a government personnel um, order to leave Haiti. Um, You're at risk. Um, They can't guarantee your safety no more. So it's it's pretty scary to that case. But the other case people hear is that there are people fleeing Haiti to the point where some of these hotels in this area, because we're a sanctuary state, are now housing Haitian immigrants who are also in fear of their lives that have shown up in Florida, but DeSantis is illegally moving these Haitian immigrants. He's shipping them right up to here to Boston. And R-squared, you talked about this. You said this move by DeSantis and this move by um, Texas Abbott is illegal. You said using government funds and and hiring these buses and, and sending these people to, to states such as Massachusetts. Uh, can you just really quickly let people know how this is illegal? 
Well, two things. First of all, immigration is a federal government responsibility, and the federal government has not delegated that to the state of Texas or Florida or anybody else, and they haven't asked for assistance in this matter. It is a federal government obligation. The other thing is, uh, considering that the states don't have a formal role, by what when you spend money, when you spend taxpayer money, whether you're the federal government or a state you are accountable to the taxpayers, to the people, and you have to spend money in accordance with its lawful purposes. And so since Florida and Texas don't have any immigration responsibilities, it would be a misuse of their taxpayer dollars, of their official state funds to pay for charter buses and flights and anything else they're doing to physically move these immigrants to other states. Now, that by itself is not a huge deal, but under federal law, there's another problem, and that is they're giving false inducements to them to get them to volunteer to get on these buses and on these flights by telling them that they're going to a certain location, which is not always the location they're going to, so they're being lied to. They're being told that there are jobs waiting for them. That's an outright lie. There's no belief at all that there are jobs. They may be able to find jobs, but there's no such jobs waiting for them. There's no plan for that. Uh, and they're also being told that there is housing for them, and that's not true. They're being dumped off in front of some city hall or church, and they're standing there in the street wondering what the hell to do, where to go, and you know, local authorities have to come and find something for them. That's being done in Boston, New York City, and other places, Washington, D.C., other places around the country where you know, now you have these people you know, being dumped off on buses. The buses take off, and now they're standing there. You have no choice for humanitarian reasons but to put them somewhere. And then so they're expending they're expending funds that they shouldn't necessarily have to have to spend, but they have no choice because it's, you know, you're, what are you going to do? Let these people sit there and starve to death or, or freeze to death or, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's a very complicated thing. It's a very cruel thing. Uh, we have a mess. Our immigration policy has been a mess for decades. Our border is a That's mess. Right. There's so much we need to do. I don't I'm, I always talk about that openly on the show and in my writings that we need to fix that. Uh, this is not how you fix it. You don't you know, you're not cruel to these people who are simply trying to you know seek a better life. I think we need strict border policies. I think we need strict immigration policies. I think we need to have strict asylum policies. We don't all agree on what those would be. Um, but this criminality is not the answer to it, no matter what side of it you're on. It's gross. And, and Ken, as you know, he's an attorney. But one of the things he's also practicing in is family law and immigration legalities. Um, and we, we talk about strategic things done when Abbott and DeSantis sent the first batch of immigrants up here. Where did they send them? They sent them to Martha's Vineyard. Now, for people who sit here and say, yeah, they sent them to Martha's you don't get that. That was strategic. They knew exactly what they were doing when they sent the immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. <clears throat> That's the cream of the crop for people who live in New England. They knew that that was going to make news. They knew by doing that, that was going to ruffle feathers. Ken, you, you went Ken Diesel on this show when that happened, and you had heard that they had sent these immigrants and told them, oh, there'll be jobs in this, and they got to Martha's Vineyard, which was the cream of the crop vacation spot for the elitist. It was a message sent across the bow. It was, it was, let's be real. Shots fired. That's what that was, yeah. right? Absolutely, but here's the other thing that, that Rob touched on a little bit. Let me let me try to explain the other problem. When DeSantos and Abbott sent those people, the money that he used was 
part of the money came from federal grants. And they didn't, and here's the thing with federal, people forget with federal grants, when the federal government gives a state money, there are strings attached. You can use it for this. That's right. That, can't, can't use it for this. And they used it for that, which basically meant, which is a felony. Misappropriation of funds. Misappropriation right. of funds, correct? Right. Yeah. Not only that, <clears throat> it is illegal in the United States since the Great Depression to force people who are here legally, who have legal status, go from one state to the other. You cannot do that. That's called kidnapping. Really? Governor, yes. If you forcibly remove or detain someone without their permission, that's kidnapping under color of law. There, during the Great Depression, there were anti-vagrancy laws all through California to deal with the, with, with the Okies that came from the Midwest. And they said, you cannot live here. We, don't, we can't support you. The federal government passed anti-vagrancy uh, law, law prohibitions, and it's been for almost 100 years. You can't do that. If you, Sinister One, decide to move to Texas, and please don't, it's a horrible place. The state of Texas says you can't do that. It says you can't come here. Yes, as long as you go there, as long as you buy property legal or you rent, you can't be stopped from going from one state to the other. The state government can't kick you out as long as you have legal authority to be here. Okay, and that's the problem. Texas decided for political reasons, so did Florida, to make a big deal out. This worked wonderful in the right-wing media. It's also blatantly illegal. They couldn't be arrested. They should have been arrested. And I understand why the federal government tried not to pick that fight because you got to be very careful with the fights you pick. You know, choose your battles carefully. You can't choose your victories. I get it. But that's blatantly illegal, by the way. And they can be prosecuted. And oh, by the way, anyone involved could have been prosecuted, including the drivers of the buses and the owners of the bus companies. Yeah. Oh. It's RICO, people. Conspiracy. Look it up. That's why wow. you know, <clears throat> I was just following orders. Didn't work for the Nazis. Didn't work for the Black Panthers. Didn't work for Lieutenant Cowley. Ain't gonna work for you. Wow. That's that's deep. That's deep. Uh moving on <laughs> in in this uh, we're at eight eleven. Um Trump. His pack chest is down to $4 million. DeSantis, who's been laying back, not really giving into this nudging that Trump has been doing. Um, he's sitting on a cool $100 million in his pack. Uh, so this is going to be real interesting because you talked about this, R-squared. You said that this pack chest that Trump had built up, he's illegally putting that money towards his Legal fees, which is not supposed to be done, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, another area of law where we need to tighten up the regulations because people find a way to abuse them. You know, this hasn't been mm -hmm. done before. So now that it's been done, you find a loophole. Now we've got to fix these loopholes. So, you know, but the thing is this at first, they were using these donations to defend Trump and some of his cronies. Uh, and they spent, they diverted $40 million from his PAC, his reelection PAC, to pay the legal fees of Trump and these other people. Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> this was a while ago that the, that the money was being transferred. Uh, in recent weeks, um, they were, you know, they were, they were giving their official guidance by Federal Election Commission that you can't do that. They have apparently set up, uh, I won't say legitimate, but 
a different source of collecting money and paying the legal fees. So it's no longer, it hasn't been for a while now coming out of the, uh, of this pack. Now that doesn't change the fact that, you know, for the past several months, uh, they had already diverted the 40 million. That's still an issue. And they've got to, you know, figure out what to do about that. Even though they may have come up with uh, a workaround, um, there's still the problem of what they did. Ken looks stressed. <laughs> you, you want to add to that, Ken? You looked a little stressed there. Yeah, let me explain. Rob, as always, is being incredibly diplomatic. Let me explain to you. Or I'm just why. trying to move us along. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did this. I, I worked on campaigns as treasurer, okay? When you are in a pack, you have to account for every single dollar that comes in and goes out and for what purpose. You've got codes you've got to use. You've got to tell the people the purpose of requesting donations. Unless you tell them that you're raising the money to defer legal funds, you can't do that! <laughs> it's illegal and every time you do it, every dollar you spend is a separate count of a federal indictment. So... Ooh. So depending on how many times they actually paid out the checks, I'm not going to say it's 42 million because, you know, is is a count of campaign finance fraud. Okay? Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, the guidelines for campaign finance fraud over 100,000 are pretty long. Okay? As for DeSantos, by the way, his campaign is crashing and burning, but that's an issue for another day. Let's move on. He's got, yeah, he's got the money. Uh, presidential immunity, immunity, I got a question for these guys. I told him to hold on. Don't answer in the chat. We're just going to ask this question real quick. Um, there was this lawsuit against the president um, for the stuff he said about the false electors and stuff like that. And they're saying now in this city, I forget what state it is, he can't be prosecuted because his comments that he made about the electoral being false is protected by presidential <laughs> immunity. Go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. <laughs> They're saying he can't be held accountable. Go ahead. Ken. <laughs> breathe, Ken. Breathe. <laughs> okay. This is why people who don't have law degrees and experience in criminal law shouldn't be talking about this. Let's discuss what we're talking about. There are two types of law generally out there. Civil and criminal. In Nixon versus Fitzgerald, which is 457 U.S. 731, 1982, those of you who want the site, the Supreme Court said that a president could not be sued in civil court by a private citizen for any actions he took as president that were confined to his presidential duties. Okay. In um, Clinton v. Jones, which is 520 U.S. 681, 1997, the Supreme Court said that a private citizen could sue the president while he's president for any actions that occurred before he became president. Okay. And in U.S. v. Nixon, the Supreme Court said that a president could be prosecuted while in office for criminal offenses, okay? What happened was, in this matter in Pennsylvania, a private citizen sued, among other people, not just Trump, 
comments about the election about the election machines in Pennsylvania being tampered with. What the judge in Pennsylvania ruled that as the chief executive, it's his responsibility to ensure that all elections are conducted fairly and honestly. And if he makes a comment, however unfounded and stupid, that there was problems with the election with the machines because they were rigged, that's within the purview of his presidential authority because he has the ultimate authority to ensure the elections are done fairly and correctly. I disagree with the decision for reasons we'll get into another show, but that's the decision. He doesn't get immunity from prosecution because prosecution only applies to criminal cases. <laughs> We're talking about civil litigation from private citizens, not government entities. The DOJ can sue him. The GSA can sue him. Private citizens cannot. Cannot. Anything you want to add to that, R Squid? Yeah. Um, I mean, everything Ken laid out as a matter of law was spot on. I won't even try to repeat any of that. It was correct, and that's all I have to say. But I will say this. This was a state court judge in Pennsylvania, not a federal judge. So of questionable authority to rule on this. Um, this was a Pennsylvania election worker um, who believes that they were defamed because by being in charge of elections, Trump's false claims about election fraud and you know the equipment and ballot stuffing and all those fake allegations he made that we 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 know to be fake at this point, um, obviously were direct uh, offense as the responsibility of this person who would have been somewhat complicit or responsible for those for those claims, so those false claims if they had been true. I believe this judge will be overturned at some point if the case gets appealed. I don't know if that will happen. I know Ken says, you know, this this is obviously something for another show, but I just want to make this one point that I believe the judge was wrong, that these comments that Trump made were not within his employment as president, were not within his duties. They are not covered by the immunity protections because the immunity protections, and there's case law on this, Ken just rattled off a few significant cases. There, There is case law on this that says that when you commit criminality, when you commit knowing, when you say knowing falsehoods, this was these these statements by Trump were not made in good faith. He didn't believe them to be true when he made them. In fact, he knew them to be false when he made them. And so uh, for that reason, um, if if this election individual or others choose to appeal or to go to federal court or work their way up the system, um, this judge's decision will be overturned um, as faulty. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on that and keep watching because sometimes we drop I drop stuff in the chat. And I'm like, we gotta save it. Just just save it. I saved it. <laughs> I didn't say a word. <laughs> gotta save it. Um, in the last one. Uh, it's a breaking story, so I don't even have the picture up for it yet. But the Trump indictment has come through just before we went live. The Trump indictment came down around 5 o'clock today. Um, I'm going to let these guys just kind of give their thoughts on where, where we are now headed. And does this affect 2024? I'll start with Ken first. Well, he was charged with a number of offenses, conspiracy, obstruction, etc. I'm not going to bother go into them. We knew this was coming. 
This deals with the January 20th insurrection. Nutshell it, again, I would love to do an entire show on this, but basically they're saying that he aided and abetted in the, Gen the January 6th uprising. Will it affect the 2024 election? I don't think so, because I think this is just another nail in his coffin. I don't think he stood a chance in hell even before all this, but you got to remember, he's got cases in the federal system. He's got cases in Georgia. He's got cases yeah, in New he does. York. So, I mean, yes, it will affect him, of course, of course, because he's got another indictment he has to deal with. He's now going to spend more money and more of it's coming out. Will this affect his base? Absolutely not. The MAGA maggots don't care. Half of them support him. I think where it's really going to hurt, and this is, I don't know if you read the articles about, this is going to hurt the Republican Party because their grassroots fundraising is really drying up. They were hoping to make big gains on the state and local level and maybe flip the Senate. And I think they can basically kiss those plans goodbye because they're they're fighting multiple fires. They're fighting multiple contests in places which should not be contested. For example, I don't know if you were, this is, goes really into the weeds and I apologize, but the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which is elected, it's not appointed like in Massachusetts and was Florida appointed or elected, Rob? I don't know. Appointed. Okay. There are certain states that elect judges on both the trial and appellate levels. Wisconsin's one of them. Wisconsin uh, was one of the few states that upheld Trump's, well, didn't upheld it, but basically was giving a very kind eye to Trump's claim in a number of 4-3 decisions. This, the, the, their court there has just been flipped, and now there's a liberal majority for the first time in four in 15 years. That, that wasn't supposed to happen. Nope, it wasn't. And Wisconsin's a huge battleground state, so already the Trumpeters are going to have a problem in one of their key battleground states. So is this going to affect Trump directly? No. Is this another ongoing headache for the GOP? Oh, you better believe it, sweet Charlotte. All right. Uh, Squared, you want to add to this Trump indictment before we head out? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll just say a few things because Ken laid it out. I mean, there's nothing in the indictment that's a surprise. The facts there in there are things we've been learning for years. It came out during the congressional hearing, the impeachment hearing, some of the other cases. Um, so if anybody who is paying attention, not everybody pays attention to this, but anybody who's paying attention will, if you read through it or skim through it, you'll say, well, this looks familiar. The charges are very predictable, uh, very focused. Um, the indictment itself was excellently drafted. Uh, it really tells a story. That's how you're supposed to do it. Uh, there are different ways of doing it that are legally correct. This is the most effective way to do it. It tells a story, the charges, the evidence, the players. Um, so if you read that, there's no surprise in this case. You know exactly what the prosecutors are doing and how they're going to do it. The defense can now plan its strategy. Of course, they've been planning all along. It's not like they didn't know this was coming or what it would be. Uh, so all of that is good. Whether or not it impacts the election, uh, you know, this is this is the real question. This is new territory for us. We've never had a former president engage, you know, a current. I mean, R Richard Nixon did some some impropriety and he was pardoned for it, which is controversial. But this pales in comparison to, you know, Bill Clinton's uh, affair with Monica Lewinsky or, or Richard Nixon's abuse of power. We've never had anything like this. 
And this was done while in office, and then it was done after leaving office. It was both, and uh, and then of course to run again. So we this is completely uncharted ground. So I, I think you know we're we're obviously writing the history books as we live through this, and it'll take twenty years to figure out exactly how this is going to be recorded in history. But in the short term, I don't I don't lack the confidence that 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 Ken was expressing. I don't disagree with what he said. I just don't have confidence in the outcome, because uh, what we've seen is a willful stupidity of Republican voters. And I'm using that term, willful stupidity. They are choosing to be stupid. They're not stupid people. They're choosing to be stupid. They are Mm. choosing to ignore what's happening. They know what happened on January 6th. Are you kidding me? They know. They know about the big lie. They know about these different things. But when they're asked about it, what they say is, oh, well, he had every right to challenge the election. Yes, he did. In fact, the indictment spells that out. To his credit, Jack Smith, the special counsel, put in the indictment that Donald Trump and his campaign and his supporters had every right to challenge the election results. And they did so in 70 different court challenges. They lost all of them. Um, They had the right to make comments. They had the right to do a lot of the things they did, but they did not have the right to engage in this conduct to overthrow the election, to defraud the United States government, the United States citizens, the voters, all the things that are listed in the indictment. They did not have the right to do. That's not protesting an election or contesting an election or playing politics. This went way outside of it into pure criminality. But again, None of this is new. We've known all this. Yet, if you poll Republican voters, and I'm not a big fan of polls, I don't think the sampling is accurate, and sometimes mm-hmm. the way they ask <clears throat> questions is inaccurate or inartful. But nevertheless, you still have 70% of Republican voters saying that Trump didn't do anything criminally wrong. Well, of course he did. Duh. You have to be a moron not to know that. So that's why I'm saying they're being willfully stupid. And so when you've got when you when you've got 70 plus percent of Republican voters still trying to make their own lie about Trump's conduct, it doesn't give me hope for the fact that they'll find that the reality will break through and they'll realize that they cannot vote for this guy. So the only real hope that I would have, and I'm not saying I want this to happen, I don't know what I want to happen. It's not my place uh, necessarily because I don't vote in the Republican primary, at least not at this point. Um, but only Chris Christie is talking about this. Only Chris Christie is talking about how you know Trump's conduct and his violation of his oath of office and abuse of power and, and all that. And Chris Christie, my God, he must have been one hell of a firebrand in court because he's making a hell of a case and with the limited airtime he gets. The problem is the other ones are ignoring it. They won't go there. They're cowards. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, although he's come out with at least some things, I put him in a slightly different category, you know, that that, uh, you know, Jericho from North Dakota, you know, all these people, none of them are saying, I mean, if they don't want to talk about it, that's fine, then don't talk about it, but they're lying when they're asked questions. And so I don't know what the Republican voter is going to do. And then when faced with the choice between Biden and Trump, well, my goodness, if you're a, if you're a law-abiding American, you can't vote for Trump under any circumstances. That means it's Biden or stay home. But I just don't know. I don't have the confidence in what's going to happen. I would hope that that would play out. Uh, Biden's record is really not that bad. I just don't understand why, you know, the, the, the Republican noise machine is doing wonders. I mean, this is the most successful um, slander mission I've ever seen as far as, you know, being, you know, destroying the realities of, of Biden. I mean, you know, you could agree or disagree with the different things and the major legislation, but, you know, the country is moving in the right direction and right. yet we're not talking about it. So 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. that this is going to impact 2024. Right. Well, we'll know. see. It should be. Um, anything you want to add real Kim quick? Kim wants to follow up on that. Go ahead. Kim. Yeah, very simply. I have no faith in the Republican Party. I think I don't need it. If I may quote that old uh, baseball cliche, every team's going to win 40 games, every team's going to lose 40 games, which is the middle of 40 that separates the basement dwellers from the world champions. Here's the thing. Your average Republican voter is going to vote for Trump. The problem is, if you look at the numbers, Republican voters are dying off like flies, number one. Number two, they were never that that uh, great the population either. It takes very few Republican voters either to change their mind or defect, and you flip the party. If you look at even the Deep South, even places like Texas and Alabama and Georgia, there is a 52-48 split right now between Republicans and Democrats. 52-48. Three percentage points shift away, and we got a whole new South. That's not a hell of a lot of people, number one. Number two, there are a lot of people who are just sick to death, and I think Rob's point about either they vote for Biden or they stay home. That's, I think, is more likely. They're going to stay home. And if they're not voting, they're not winning. And here's the thing. The margin for error for Republicans is super thin. If they don't have 90 to 100% support, they lose. Democrats can afford a lot a lot more. So that's what I think could very well happen is not so much Democrats are going to win, the Republicans are just going to lose. They're just going to give up. The other issues, I think a lot of these people are going to, are going to are, you know, they're not going to be able to raise the money. The Republican Party is, <laughs> is way, way, raising way less money than they ever have in their entire modern history. And I, I know from 1972 on. You're seeing what's happening is the Republican Party used to be the party of small government, strong defense, law and order. Okay. What you're seeing now is you're seeing the creation ever since Trump, and I'd argue before that, of the MAGA coalition. The MAGA coalition is separating itself from the Republican Party. They are not backing the mainline candidates. They're backing their own wacko wackos. Okay? Mm-hmm. Without those MAGA maggots supporting them, the Republicans are going to lose. And they're going to lose bigly. Okay? The MAGA maggots don't have enough people to put their own candidates, candidates out, I mean, over. So basically, by default, not because Democrats are doing a good job, and they're not. They're stinking up the place. And I said that as a lifelong Democrat. We are losing the messaging war. We're doing absolutely crap. I no offense. I don't know who's in charge, but you'd be fired in place of somebody else. That's how it's going to, I think, wind up. It's just simply because they're not, not because the, op- the opposition is doing so well. It's the Republicans are just doing so poorly. Right. Wow. Good stuff, guys. Great stuff. Um Again, another fantastic show with these guys. I got to thank everybody for supporting the show with the beanies last winter. Got to thank all the shows that I'm involved with producing, as you see here. Also, the latest new show on Descendants One Productions, Fubar Studios, Vet Reinforcement. We've got Brockton After Dark going on right now for the summer for the kids, you know, till nine o'clock. We've got the Fan Expo, August 4th to the 6th in Boston. Fans assemble. That used to be the Comic Con, but it's now the Fan Expo Boston. Also, this Saturday, Slingshots for Shriners. This is my Slingshot organized ride. We are now partnered with Shriners Hospital of Boston. Um, If you see us riding in this parade on Saturday... Pull out your phones, scan the QR code, make a donation. The donation goes directly to Shriners Children's Hospital of Boston. 
I'm in conversations with Shriners at this time. They are looking to make this event a nationwide event. We've linked up with Riders for Life in Houston. And what's going to happen is, is that the last Saturday of every July, this ride will take place across the country to raise money for Shriners, which is known for being a burn institute, but it's also now a big hospital that takes care of the cleft lip issue. Um, also, Steve Hook, who's coming up in a little bit, Saturday, August 12th, this is his campaign fundraiser. That's going to be at Joe Angelo's. The Brockton Fire Hockey Golf Tournament will take place on August 14th, 9 o'clock start. Also, August 17th, the best local hip-hop music night put on by 508 USA and Music Man. And Jamal Brathwaite, he has his campaign fundraiser on September 14th, 6 to 9 p.m. at Ann's Palace. And please remember to vote on September 19th and November 7th. Some of the guys here have sent in their banners. Uh, this in no way means that I support them. I'm just allowing them to be able to support and get the word out so you can vote. Jamal Brathwaite is running for city councilor at large. Steve Hook, who's coming up in a second, councilor at large. That's his banner. John C. Williams, who is running for mayor of Brockton this year. That's his banner. Kimberly Ann, Empowerment Photography. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody for tuning in to the show, hanging out with us. I'm going to let these guys say their goodbyes so we can get out of here. 833. Um, Ken Diesel, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, I want to thank all of our listeners, all 12 of you. Hey, guys, gals, non-binary, be safe, stay cool, and we'll see you next month. Ah, uh, Squid? Yeah, we could have got another three hours on a lot of this, so we had to keep it uh, short as it was. Uh, so stay informed, stay safe, see you soon. And we're going to take a quick break here, and I'm going to be back with uh, – actually, we're just going to get right into it. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with – my man, Steve Hook. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, M, M. What, what, what? Yeah, see, I ain't never been betrayed by an enemy. That shit is only ever come from them saying friend to me. They sold his black, so gonna fall on my back up energy. I feel the drain through all the pain, depletes in its entirety. It's piracy, and any thought of reconciling's blind to me.
gotta go harder than most do. Feel the plan if you don't plan to fail at any given moment. All right, it's your boy back here in the booth, and I'm gonna give you my interview. Let's get ready to bring Steve Hook on with us. This is uh, Steve Hook, and I want you guys to take care. And then after my interview with Steve Hook, it's going to be SpongeBob will take us home. Here we go. All right, it's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. As I said tonight, we are going into overtime with a pet peeve of mine of something that happened over this past weekend. And I actually was going to try to speak with the Brockton City Mayor, Mr. Robert Sullivan, and try to get him to speak. But I said, you know something? No, no. You know what? The mayor isn't good enough. To come on here and talk about this, I got a guy that I know who's running for city council um, that I feel is very good to talk about this topic. He has a wealth of knowledge. He spent a lot of years. I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell his title and what he does, so people know that hey, this just this guy just isn't coming to this podcast and tossing his opinions around. This guy is in the trenches. Steve, please let them know who you are and what you do. Keith, thank you for having me back again. Uh, my name is Steve Hook. I'm the emergency manager for the city of Brockton. I've been the emergency manager uh, for the past nine years. And Steve has handled things from snowstorms to emergencies. And the reason why I got Steve on here, and he's going to put, he's going to take off his running for candidate for a city council. He's putting that beamer hat on. He's going to get real serious with people because there are some things that I saw on social media. That I was pissed off about. I'm not going to lie. This past weekend, the National Weather Service on Saturday night around 8.15 put alerts out. The first alert was about a possible tornado in the area and and hail. And, you know, you saw people all of a sudden, you know, we're here in New England. We're not in the tornado highway of down south in the Midwest. So all of a sudden you have a lot of people who aren't taking it seriously, first and foremost. About 8.15, 8.20 National Weather Service issued a critical alert. That's when everybody's phones went off with this alert saying that, hey, we have an idea where this is going to touch down. It's going to touch down in these areas here. You need to be wary. About 8.35, the third critical alert went out telling people, hey, you need to go to your basements. I actually put it up. I had someone say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But they put it up. They were telling people to get to their basements. I saw people laughing. I saw people whatever. The storm came through. It was about 15 minutes. And I saw people say, oh, it was a weak storm. Oh, it was this. Oh, it was a waste of our time. This and that. And and I hate to say this, people. You know, this is coming from a group of people that if we've got 24 inches of snow on the way, you're rushing off to Shaw's or Stopping Shop to buy up all the milk and eggs for 24 inches of snow. Yet we have a a realistic alert. And this is the first thing I'm going to ask, Steve. Um... That wasn't taken seriously. So let's get into the alert itself. You know, when these alerts come over from the National Weather Service, they were in bright red, capital, everything that needed to be in capital letters was in capital letters. Talk about why we shouldn't be ignoring these alerts when they come across. When when everybody's phones go off, this is a serious matter. This isn't something to joke about. You are correct. So the National Weather Service typically does not send out messages, uh, the emergency alert messages over over your cell phones unless it's a serious matter. So we had uh, a tornado warning, which means conditions are favorable in our area for a development of a tornado. 
Now, what the National Weather saw on uh, that day, um, I believe it was Saturday, they saw some rotation in the sky, in the clouds, um, which did touch down an EF-1 tornado in Mansfield and in, in part of Easton. Turned out to be a microburst in Brockton, but we had winds over 100 miles an hour. There was significant damage uh, to the uh, some of the southeast areas of Brockton. Uh, I, I went through those community, those streets myself, talked to neighbors. Uh, we had some big trees down. There was some significant damage. And like you said, there was 105. Okay, so the actual numbers, it was 24 yards wide. It went 400 yards, and it was traveling at 105 miles an hour. Now, somebody said, well, it was a weak storm. Well, when it's moving at 105 miles an hour, it's just like the movie Twister, number one. Somebody said there was no rain. Well, if you remember the movie Twister, people, there was no rain before. It was That's why you have the calm before the storm, because the funnel sucks everything up and it's making that storm and then the funnel comes down and hits the ground and it travels and it's a split second of sheer other craziness now the problem i had is is that when i heard the story in easton that the tree fell on the home in easton there was a woman outside on her porch during this storm after the alerts and i'm saying to myself steve you know these are people who would have been unnecessary casualties in this storm because they didn't take it for, they didn't take the, the alerts for granted. Um, I saw Fox 25 this news this morning that there were a whole bunch of people who were at the Jason Aldean concert and they're pissed because they didn't get to see all the concert because Mansfield police came in and cleared everybody out and told everybody the safest place to go is in their cars. And people were saying, well, I can't see why we had to go. So people were throwing this whole conspiracy theory out saying they only did this because they didn't want us to see Jason Aldean's song because of what's going on with the the, the the small town. No, no. Xfinity Center is an open air venue. Come on, people. Stop it. Stop it. The Mansfield police and, and tell me, Steve, tell them you're the guy. You they get the word from people like you as to what to do to get these people out of a venue with it. Because I think Twitter Center holds what, 3,800 3, or 7,000 or something like that it holds? So, yeah, it, so when this type of thing happens, people need to take it very seriously. We don't see a lot of tornado warnings in Brockton. Over my nine years of, of being the emergency manager, I think we've had three. Um, but certain things happen when this happens. So immediately uh, from the – and I'm, I'm going to talk about Brockton because that's what I know. But I'll tell you what happened right. that day was we get the alerts. We're, we're aware of uh, the potential – throughout the day of severe weather, right? The National Weather Service, one of, one of the largest cities in the state, so the National Weather Service will reach out to me and say, hey, we might be looking at severe weather today, you know, possibly tornadic activity. Um, so, you know, we, we prepare for that. So what happens when that tornado warning goes out, immediately it goes not only from the National Weather Service, but it also goes to the BEMA page, the BEMA Twitter, and it's automatic. It's not something that I'm posting or my staff is posting. It's automatic. So we're reaching the residents of Brockton as quickly as we can. Comes on your television screen as a scroll, right? Uh, emergency mm -hmm. alert system activated, tornado warning. Um, so people need to take that seriously. When they see a tornado warning, they need to go to the lowest level of their house, their basement. Stay away from windows and doors. Stay away from outside walls. Um, get under something sturdy. 
when I was, I wasn't home at the time. My kids were home. I immediately called them and said, get into the basement. You know, mm -hmm. you got to take this seriously. And they did. They brought the pets down. They all went into the basement. But what happens from my end, uh, we start coordinating. So I talked to the mayor right away. I talked to the fire chief right away. What's the damage assessment? Because they're out there, right? Immediately, people are calling 911. Talk mm -hmm. to the police chief right away. <clears throat> and then we reach out to the DPW. Um, you know, what's the cleanup? What are the streets? Uh, how many streets are blocked? Can we get emergency apparatus down those streets? So it's really, people don't realize it, but it's a really coordinated effort to get all, all the pieces of the puzzle together. And of course, you have National Grid. And, and I will say... Uh, you know, we had significant damage in that small area. Yes, we did. Happened. Yeah, it was a lot of damage. We had trees in the houses. It was one house I saw that was pretty much destroyed, and um, they did an excellent job. Our first responders, police, fire, DPW, and I'll throw National Grid in there. Did an excellent job. Uh, we had about twenty five hundred customers without power in that area, and um. They got them back pretty quickly that night. They got a good chunk of it back. And the next day, they got a good chunk of it back. But we had a lot of poles down. We had wires down. And they have to do the clean. They have to get to those locations first to start the cleanup and get, be able to get crews and equipment in there to do the restoration. And, and some of the poles had to be replaced. And again, I just want you to kind of repeat what you just were saying. People need to take this seriously. Sometimes being New Englanders. You know, we're ignorant. We're we're ignorant to some things. I'm I'm one of the guys I'm not. I take any alert that comes through, I take it seriously. Everybody says, since the one you you're worried about. But I'm not. These these warnings are here. And you know, when I saw the lady in Easton on her porch during the storm, I'm like, well, first of all, she was three to five feet away from being a casualty, an unnecessary casualty. And and I know you don't want to pull up on a scene where there's unnecessary casualties. I mean I'll let you speak on that one. And, and, and listen, we have some outdoor venues too, right? We have uh, Marciano Stadium, right? Mm -hmm. And if there's an event there, we plan with them to make sure that they have a plan. They understand what to do in an emergency, uh, in a situation like that. What is their plan? So they have a plan in place, just like uh, the Xfinity Center does in other places, Gillette Stadium as well. Uh, these are all outdoor venues that pose a risk, but... The, the number one, when you're the emergency manager or the fire chief, your number one priority is public safety. You want to make sure people are safe. So uh, you have to follow the direction of those in charge to say, mm -hmm. you know, to to we're giving we're giving you information to protect you, not to make your life difficult. or you're going to miss a concert or something like that. Our job is to make sure people are safe. And that's why we send these messages out with these instructions. And, you know. On the on the, the the north side of the city, they got some rain. They didn't know there was a microburst coming down the southeast side of the city. You know what I mean? It's a totally different picture. So I live on the east side. I probably live three streets away from where this microburst came down. Nothing happened at my house. You wouldn't even know. You, you know same, yeah. My, same my lawn here. signs are still out there. They didn't move. But it, three blocks away, it literally looked like a tornado came through. And, and the National Weather Service, they came out the next day. They met me. And they said, uh, you know, can you describe what it looks like? You know, can you give us some information before we get there? So I sent them some pictures that we had. And uh, I said to them, I said, it looks like a tornado came through. That's what it looks like to me. So they actually they came out and they did an assessment and they they made a determination that it was straight line winds, not tornadic. But, you know, it causes the same damage. The only difference exactly the trees are all facing easterly instead of being spun up. So 
it, it, it still causes a lot of damage and it should be taken seriously. And I remember being on the east side when we did have a downburst here. I forget how many years it was ago, but we had a bad downburst here. Yep. yep. And I remember trees at the small graveyard on Cary. I mean, they were ripped right up out the ground, split huge trees that had been there for years. So the, just the power for that little bit of time is something to just take heed and not and not mess around with people. I, I, like I said, you know, there was a lot of people on social media whose lives were kind of turned upside down and complaining, but it's like, People, you, you, you got to take this seriously. I get it. We, we're we not like in Kentucky or Oklahoma where they have these things all the time. But, you know, we could have ended up with some unnecessary casualties and nobody nobody wants that due, due to ignorance, to be honest. And that's that's sheer what it is. And um, like you said, well, I, you know, I did talk to a lot of the residents when I was walking the streets that got damaged and. Many of them did take it seriously. Many of them were in their basement. As they should. And they and they heeded the warnings. And, you know, that's probably why we didn't have the injuries that we had, you know, because there was some damage out there. And they said X Xfinity, you know, they said they stopped the show and put on the big screen right away. Boom. This is coming through. And, you know, they said to, you know, listen, there were some people who worked for the Xfinity Center that were telling people to stay put, but they were telling them to stay put until they could get the instructions from the mass, uh, the Mansfield Fire Department and Police Department. And then once they came, you know, they handled the coordination of getting the people out and, you know, safely. And um, I believe that's pretty much how it would work. You know, that's that's their that's their plan. The venue tells people, hey, stay put. The right people are coming to get you out of here. And then when the right people came, I get it. I get it. You know, there's there's levels to this. You don't want chaos and people all over the place, especially when, you know, like a Jason Aldean concert where people were probably drinking in the parking lot prior to, con you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden this happens. Now you got somebody that's three sheets to the wind during the concert that you got to get out of there. But it looks like they went with no problem. So. You know, again, Steve, I want to really thank you for coming on and just talking about this serious thing because it really bothered me, and I felt like people need to be given some knowledge from a from a person who knows. And I was like, yeah, originally it was the mayor, but I felt, you know what? I think this is the guy. He's in the trenches. This is the guy that that needs to speak on this. And we we did. You do you feel like we pretty much dodged a major bullet with this storm? Yeah, it, it certainly could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, I've been to tornadoes out in west of mass we've had some uh 2011 we had a, a f2 or f3 come out uh, that's right a whole bunch of towns and i was out there and the devastation was something that you couldn't imagine you know pictures don't do it justice but it, it certainly could have been a lot worse and uh we could have you know if it hit different parts of the city or um you know some of our other buildings or something it could always be worse right i guess the bottom line is listen to the Listen to the leaders of the city, listen to the professionals, listen to the National Weather Service. And, uh, you know, when you get those alerts on your phone, those are serious. They just don't send those out. You know, there's a process for sending those out. So take those seriously. And one last one. This is a Boston one that bugs the crap out of me. And I know you handle this one, too. Um, that night in Boston, Boston got a lot of rain in a short period of time. Storrow Drive over flooded to the point where people decided, well, I'm going to try to make it through. And they were flooded up to their rooftops. Cars were stuck in Storrow Drive. And just real quick, just talk about uh, what people can do when a road is flooded out and, and, and what they need to do so they don't get. Because that was another situation where 
It was pouring rain. People got under the, the, the tunnels in Stroll Drive and they were they were up to the roofs with water. These people could have literally drowned in their cars. Real quick, just give us something on that one too. What people need to do when you think a roadway's flooded. So the number one hazard for the city of Brockton is flooding. And we we we're, we have a lot of it sometimes when when it's heavy rain. We can take about three inches of water in a shorter period short period of time, but that's about it. We start to get flooding under the bridges. We the city's done a lot of uh, hazard mitigation relative to flooding, so it's it's a lot better now than it was years ago. But mm-hmm. I can remember Kmart Plaza underwater, under the bridges, underwater. Westgate uh, lanes. Mont- yeah, Westgate. Westgate still has a problem. Uh, uh, Montello and Ames. Uh, you know there we have problems in the city that we get that. Turn around, don't drown. I tell people pull over if it's raining very heavily and you can't see the road. Pull over, let the rain pass, but do not go into flooded waters. No matter how how deep you think it may be, uh, there could be a uh, a sinkhole or something that developed. Oh from yeah, the and you don't know what's under there. So you know, uh, I've heard people hit fire hydrants, uh, you know, because they think they're on the road and they're actually on the sidewalk. So you, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. Just if take- I. If I remember correctly, didn't we have a gentleman during the rainstorm? They had a, a sinkhole on the south side that died years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that you, you need to be wary of, people. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, too. Once you get in the water, if your pipe goes down in the water, the water goes into your engine, stalls out, and you're not going nowhere. And like I said, Storrow Drive was scary because... The water was up to people's roofs, and they had to get out and swim, you know, and the Star Drive runs along the Charles River, so you got to be smart. <laughs> and our first response, that's happened in the city, and, and you know, the fire department, police department are out there making rescues out of people's cars, and it's taken them away from uh, other emergencies. You know, when we have a big storm like that come through, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. The fire department, the police department are very busy, they're taxed, and, you know, uh, you, you're taking them away from another emergency because you want to drive through the through the road. So <laughs> it's not worth it, Steve. I, I want to thank you for coming on. And you know what? Before we get out of here, I'm going to let you put your candidate for city council hat on real quick, and I'm going to let the, let you talk real quick about this event you're coming up this fundraiser. Thank you, Keith. We're having a uh, campaign fundraiser at Joe Angelo's on August 12th between. 6 and 9 p.m. I hope to see everybody there. I need your support. If you you need a lawn sign, uh, just call our uh, campaign office and we'll get you a lawn sign, bumper stickers, pins, whatever, whatever you need. Uh, but uh, more importantly, we hope to see you out there at Joe Angelo's on August 12th. All right, Steve Hook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, this was something that I really wanted to get off my chest. And I felt people should take it much more seriously. Steve is the guy to know and also make sure to support him in his run for city council. And all I'm going to say right now is thank you for staying on with us for this overtime session of the booth. And SpongeBob, do me a favor. Take us home. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. 
It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, you don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I gotta hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing, cause I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that bitch, like I'm my own now. I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-S-U-R-Z-O-C-O-M. Enter website, enter website, enter website, enter website.